Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, welcome to the 371st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Alex Reeves. Thanks, Alex. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Ed Enloe. Today we've got Matt Smuckler on the podcast. He's got a new film coming out called Wildflower. It's available for rent on all of the streaming platforms you rent movies on, and it's available to watch on Hulu June 23rd. So depending on when you're watching, you might be able to check it out now. It's Matt's first film, but it stars Kiernan Shipka, Gene Smart, and a bunch of other amazing actors. I mean, it's crazy. We talk a lot about how he got his cast, it being his first film and all. And spoiler alert, he's been a filmmaker for quite a long time. It's based on a true story, based on his niece, who uh, had parents that were neurodivergent, and she had to take care of them. It's cool. Check out the trailer. And our conversation with him, I felt like it was very much about directing and us all being directors. So because of that, we probably don't really need to catch up because I feel like a lot of what we covered, yeah. especially at the end of the conversation, is kind of in the world of our catch-ups. Yeah, this conversation was really fun. And there's a lot of different reasons we do the show. But one of them is just to connect with filmmakers who we just have a shared experiences or past or like similar life paths. And uh, this one, it just felt like, oh, Matt's Matt feels like an old friend, like our experiences are so similar. And so it was a really easy, fun conversation where we dig in, you know, and talk about the life of a commercial director than the life of, of a feature director and how those intersect. I have a hunch if you're listening to the show, you probably want to do at least one, if not both of those things. It's a really fun conversation on both sides of that coin. Yeah. And Matt Smuckler's commercial work is like world class. So good. Yeah, yeah, like A-level, like go to mattsmuckler.com, M-A-T-T-S-M-U-K-L-E-R.com and just look at the stills from his commercials and you'll be like, okay, pretty obvious. This guy knows what he's doing with the camera and storytelling. So anyhow, it was a really fun chat and uh, I think you'll like it. Can't wait to hear what people think. And should we just hop straight into our Patreon plug let's do it yes patreon.com slash just shoot a pod is the place where you can go to support the show uh keep uh, our editor up and running and uh pay all those bills for us it's it's um the equivalent of buying us a cup of coffee or saying thank you so if you get something out of the show if you find that it's worthwhile and that it's helped you in your career in some way consider throwing us a couple bucks we would love it patreon.com slash just shoot a pod we appreciate you all and let's start talking to Another Matt. Apologies for the over-mattification of the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. But here we are with Matt Smuckler. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Okay, guys, we are here with Matt Smuckler, another Matt. My opening question, I have a shoot tomorrow morning. I'm curious what you guys do. You shower the night before, let's say your call is 7 a.m. And it's like a half hour drive and you had to park in a lot and get shuttled to set. Let's say you were trying to be there at 6 a.m. You, do you wake up at like 5 a.m. shower and then leave at like 5.30 or do you do shower the night before? Or you just figure you're going to get pretty dirty on set anyway. Hmm. Who needs to shower? What's the, what, what's the protocol? I am a shower the night before guy. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, what's happened to me is with kids is I do get up so fucking early. That sometimes I'm like, I'm up early. I'm up anyway. So yeah. why not just. Yeah. So I tend to do. But I do tend to go shower at night before. Yeah. I, I think a similar answer, but slightly tweaked. I used to wake up extra early. I'm like, I'm a morning person. So I, I used to be like, oh yeah, I'll wake up extra early. No problem. I'll shower before and then we'll all hit the road. And I like to make a coffee and the, you know, like I had my whole routine, but like now with the kids, it, like it's just one, but still like it, my, my whole rhythm is thrown off. So like I'll count it as a win if I've showered period. That, that, I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with that. <laughs> I'm still on the podcast smuggler. We talk a lot about like how to dress and stuff and on set and I've still, you know, we know that it, there's something nice about like, you know, being like the nicest dressed person on set when you're the director. So people aren't mistaking you for the PA or whatever. Just wear a suit. I mean, you just got to wear a suit. But I still I still kind of just like roll in with the hoodie because mm-hmm. it's just I want to get as much sleep because I know we're going to be I'm going to be like at a thousand percent mm-hmm. for the next like 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I, I um, did have something where it was like I, I, I wore a tie for like maybe the first 10 years and my AD had to wear a tie and we just. You could wear, you know, you could have worn a hoodie with a tie, but it was like a tie thing. And then we became superstitious. So we, if we didn't wear the tie, it was going to be a bad shoot. And then I think I had a bad shoot with the tie. So I was able to scrap the tie. And we didn't have to deal with it. 
Well, so my next question, Matt, is that, you know, we got your bio, we got all, you know, all the press on Wildflower and everything. And you're just constantly introduced, like people just constantly say it's your debut feature. It's like your first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if somebody just saw your resume, like, oh, commercial director made his first movie. And then they saw the insane cast of your first movie, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, Kiernan Shipka, uh, Gene Smart, Jackie Weaver, Dash Mihawk, Charlie Plummer, Alexandra Daddario, Brad Garrett, Reed Scott. Uh, yeah, Brad Garrett. Good call, buddy. That's a uh, good Garrett, one. Brad Garrett was... Yeah, he was the, the... We actually ended up writing a couple of extra scenes for him yeah. um, because he was so great. It was like the end of the end of couple of shoot days it was like we only you know we only had him for a couple days but it was like we got to write another scene for brad yeah he's a secret weapon he's so funny i I was gonna say people are gonna see this cast and they're gonna say you must be the son of a billionaire or (laughs) be hollywood royalty Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. because no one gets this cast for their first feature and that's probably because they don't know your history of like what got you to this feature look i I wish that i was uh, a billionaire married to a an heiress um but unfortunately i'm not and it was yeah, it was a really long road. And I think I've talked about it a little bit on, you know, in some other interviews and stuff about how lucky I got, but and which I really do feel like I, I have, but, but it was, it was like, like, like you guys, I've been doing commercials for a long time. So I have, did have plenty of experience, but I don't think anybody cared about that in terms of the cast. It was, I, I really think it was, came down to the script and the fact that I had been working on a documentary for six years um, mm-hmm. about this family. And so I had this most of them didn't ask to see the actual full documentary, but I did have this, you know, amazing trailer from the documentary. And I just think it was, they were able to connect the dots. Would you call it almost a a proof of concept in a certain sense? Like it gives a sense of the tone and the feeling and what you're trying to say with the story. No, I mean, I was nodding my head. Yes. But the truth is it wasn't really a proof of concept in terms of tone because it was, it was wildly different. And I actually had no interest at the time when it, it got brought up to me to make a feature, I just lived with this and I didn't really see a way in that would be different. So I was like, I have a great documentary, like, I, you know, and it was very, very um, run and gun. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it was me with a camera. Sometimes it was, it, I did bring a DP, um, you know, friends. It was really kind of, and it was never more than three of us. And so it mm-hmm. was, it was really like a, just kind of like when, when I wasn't busy, I would run, over because it was only in, it was in Henderson, Nevada. So it was like four hour drive. We'd go, we'd spend a night and we'd shoot. And, you know, and so it really, um, I wasn't thinking about it in terms of a narrative or, oh, this could be a, a, a piece that could help us sell the narrative. It was, I was working on another movie with, um, Jana Savage, who was a screenwriter and, and I had showed her some footage and I think it was, I, I think it was her who, who said, you know, these, it was the dueling grandmothers, and and I remember that moment. We were at a coffee shop, and she she was like, "We should just we should pivot and do you know make turn this into a feature." And and it wasn't until I sort of thought about it through a comedic lens that and it, that was then allowed me to have some distance, I think, and and saw it as its own thing. I, I really was not. I didn't want to recreate the documentary, and <laughs> I did. There was a producer who asked to offer to. He wanted to come on and he wanted me to make ordinary people. I'll never forget it. He was like, he didn't, didn't see how this could be made sort of in a, you know, it's a dramedy. It's not a comedy, but it is. I, I just wanted there to be some levity. And um, yeah, I just spent six years kind of doing the other version. But I, but I do right. think to your point, it was something they could see that there was an actual family. These characters were not just, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't just written. 
you know, they, they, they were based on people and loosely based, but at least they were something. But so what else, or can you just tell us real quick, the log line of the documentary? The log line is basically, um, an 18 year old girl who is trying to decide whether to stay at home and take care of her neurodivergent parents or go to college. And she's, you know, was 14th in the state of Nevada for track and field, but also an amazing caretaker for her parents. And so I didn't, you know, know that exactly at the time. It was, I started out um, in full transparency. It was a companion piece because this girl is my niece. So it's from, it's based on my wife's family and her sister. And so I was there to kind of make a piece for her to, to submit to college along with her SATs. Cause she really didn't think that she was, Oh, interesting. Yeah, she didn't think she was <laughs> no very, way. she's like, there's nothing That's great. that unique about me. And, and I'm like, well, there's a couple of things that are kind of unique about you. And so maybe we'll just yeah. film it in that way. And so I went to a track meet and filmed there. And then I went to their house and, and kind of my, you know, was pretty blown away. I, I hadn't really known much actually about their family because they're very self-sufficient. They don't like any, you know, they don't really like any help. They don't want mm -hmm. any, um, and they're, they're doing sort of great on their own. And so they've, um, there was a little bit of a distance, but then I really got to know them over the years. And so that's how it, that's how it happened. So I had that, this little short piece, which ended up getting her like, uh, in a full ride to college. So that was a success in its own. The, awesome. the short filmed in? Yeah, it wasn't a short, short film. Doc? It was like a, yeah, it was like a short, uh, yeah, like a little short piece. It wasn't even really with the beginning. How long was it? Uh, I feel like I really dropped the ball on uh, helping my cousin out with his water <laughs> <I> polo. <laughs> 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 Sorry, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of listeners at home are like. <laughs> my claim to fame is the preschool teacher's appreciation video. Where I got five <laughs> kids to uh, have their <laughs> to have parents to record. Yeah. Thank you. That's got to be your tone piece now. for your feature. I mean. And is that even a thing? Can you submit videos for college applications? I had no idea, but I really you, was, You're pitching. You're literally pitching colleges the yeah, same way you pitched I mean, kind of. I was just sure. sort of like, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to explain to her that, you know, you're really extraordinary. And, you know, and, I, and so I basically said, I'm going to come out there and just film you at your at the track meet. You know, let me just come do that. I didn't even tell her what the reason was or anything. And then it just became it became very clear to me what I needed to do. So you've made this video and then you're like, oh, this has to evolve into something larger. So then, I mean, then, you know, I hadn't, I had never done a documentary before. You know, I had done, I think, you know, like you guys, we've done commercials where there's real people and stuff like that, but I'd never done anything. And so um, what happened was it was just, I became more and more fascinated by their dynamic. And then also, um, you know, one thing after another, I mean, like in the movie, she, you know, we start with B, you know, in a, Kieran in, in a coma. And that happened, you know, while we were filming, like she ended up, you know, having an accident, which we still to this day don't know exactly what happened. Um, but she, she ended up slipping and cracking her head and was in a coma was was on life support. I mean, it was insane. So, you know, I was able to kind of just one thing after another, then there was her rehab. And then there was this whole, you know, then graduation and, and, you know, I did know that I was there at a time when, you know, it was like, we have her, you know, lots of things happen to you in your senior year for, and mm -hmm. I think for most people, it's like, you know, you, you work really hard and you take the SATs and you hope to get into college and you say goodbye to your parents. Like I knew that wasn't going to be her, her trajectory. So 
I just, I was there to sort of observe it. And you just have like a Sony A7S or something or like, a iPhone, like, how are you shooting this? Yeah, it was iPhone. It was a Canon 350, you know, that. Just kind of like whatever, whatever you could grab. Whatever or, we had, yeah. it was a mix and match. Yeah. yeah. Like a lav I mean, mic here or there. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I definitely had, I, I usually had a sound person with me. That was something I knew that was really important, but yeah, not all the time. That's for sure. So, so I made the documentary and then my niece really wanted her story to get out there. And so we started talking to some distributors and stuff. And then at the same time, the, the, the narrative started to kind of really get some momentum. And then the producers asked me to wait on the documentary. They're like, let's get the feature out. And then they're like, you're, you're going to be even happier, like, you know, with the doc. And so, mm-hmm. and so now I'm just starting that process of, you know, cause the movie's going to premiere on Hulu on the 23rd of June. And so I've, I've shared it with them and see if, if they would want to, I mean, it seems like they would want the doc too. Both films are called Wildflower. Are, are you changing the name of the documentary or? I tried, I told, I tried to change the name of this movie, like the narrative. I really did. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, look, it exists as a documentary. And, and, and um, everybody loved the title so much. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, that's a good question. And I feel like, um, you know, my niece had written down on a, a kind of a list of things that she, she made a list for herself. And one of the things was, I don't cry. And so that I thought could be a really beautiful title for her. She's so strong. And she really, you can see like, she really tries her best in, you know, in the entire, in the movie really to never cry. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to say, kind of powerful, but I don't know. Listen, you call a movie, I don't cry. Yeah. That's she like bet, saying there's a gun under the, the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's Chekhov's. <laughs> emotional repression here <laughs> yeah, yeah so do you have this doc you have this script your, your friend jana that you are working on you know writing stuff with right so like, you're totally hey, trying to connect the dots through people i so here's how well, yeah I well, be, well and uh, the reason through. yeah it's because you know our listeners that are like oh if i make this documentary does that mean i get this feature film with like a, all these a-list yeah. stars like i'm trying to to we, okay, yeah so create the whole how, fabric yeah um it didn't yeah, nobody that I knew, um, none of my good friends, were, you know, um, I didn't reach out to them for any help or, or anything like that. I, what happened was it was a very random thing that happened to me. And it, it was, um, I guess, for anybody who plays tennis and is also a filmmaker, they should take note because I was playing tennis with a, a guy that I knew. I didn't know him that well, you know, mm-hmm. but um, we started talking, Wilson, as we were, you know, picking up Sam Zwiebelman. I, there's like a whole tennis scene. Carlin Hudson, there's a tennis, our fre- yeah. frequent guest and oh. dear friend, plays tennis and a yeah, similar yeah, story. Really? Well, everybody yeah. should Every, play tennis. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine you, you, you people will yes. after this. Um, no, I, I, you know, we were picking picking up balls, um, and I remember in between, and we started talking about what do you do? What do you do? And he's he said he's a producer, and I was like, oh, I'm a director, and and then he shared a script with me. Um, one that that you know I didn't I liked I didn't love and then I said oh well well I've been working on this script and and I shared him Wildflower and it turns out he he was a producer but he hadn't produced anything yet and you know sort of got to know each other more and more and I was like this is the kind of guy I would really love to produce this movie but it really was a pipe dream because I didn't he hadn't done anything and but he, you know he ended up uh, passing it along to Jamie Patrickoff at Hunting Lane. And so Hunting Lane then got the script and then they jumped in. And then, so it was my friend, Kyle Owens, who is at a company called Morning Moon. It was, so they ended up partnering together and 
that's really how, that's when it really started to kind of go. And so Hunting Lane ended up getting our financing. And once we had the financing, which, you know, I think it's, it, it can be anything. I mean, I think what I learned is it can be an arbitrary, fairly arbitrary number, but as long as, as long as you can make an offer, you know, and, and in this movie, it was, this is obviously a, a, an indie movie. And I think, you know, I think I can say this. I mean, the, everybody worked for pretty much scale, you know, it was, mm-hmm. that's kind of the way it worked. And, um, getting real producers on who have relationships. It wasn't me, I guess it, the bottom line is mm-hmm. it wasn't my relationships or my friends. It was, I do feel like, like that. like UTA repping you and packaging you with like other people. No, and like, you know, I've been with Gersh, I've been with Gersh forever and I love my agent, but no, even there, I mean, one thing I will say in terms of, of, of my agent is he was, he was always cracking the whip on me to generate. Like he was like, look, mm-hmm. you know, it was a learning process for me because I, you know, like you guys, like we have reps and they bring us stuff and they send us scripts and we decide, oh yeah, we want to do it or we don't. This was, he was like, that doesn't work like that. Like in, in movies, you have to have something I can sell. Like I can't sell you off your commercials. I, he's like, I signed you off your commercials. But mm-hmm. what was really kind of great for me to learn from him was just generate. He's like, go go shoot shorts, like use use your crew, you know, after a commercial and to shoot a fucking do anything other than commercials, like, but tell longer stories, you know, and, and which, so which is a thing reps love to tell you. They're like, Oh man, just use the, just go make a short, but like use your commercial crew, like keep the camera for a couple of days longer. Ask that whole team that just busted their asses at full rates to like, just hang out a little while. And like, as if the, like you don't have to go yeah. kiss some butt with the agency like or seventeen like, cuts of a commercial in a day. <laughs> I th- I think that maybe once upon a time they did that. Like maybe I I, yeah. I heard a story about David Fincher years ago did that or whatever, but that was a long ass time ago. <laughs> no, it's very true, anyway, and you can't. It makes so, me laugh. So it, uh, no, it's true. But I think the point of of what I did glean from him was it's not going to come from him. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, whatever it yeah. is, it's going to come from me, and so. And I would, I would do shorts, I would do this and that it didn't actually, the truth is that that didn't do anything. Like, you know, he wasn't able to, it was always me kind of generating and then, and then Wait, it so ended up in with a script. Like when you, when, you know, you're sending a script to Kieran and Shipka and you say, Hey, and a little docu thing, you think she's not Googling Matt Smuckler director and like going to your website and being like, Ooh, this, you know, uh, what's her name is in his short until dawn or like he made something with Justin Bieber, like other people with reputations, trust this guy to direct. I them. don't know. I, I thought that I, yeah, I mean, I, I, de- I guess I, but I don't know. I don't know. The truth is, I think like I asked, um, I, I had lunch with Kieran the other day and I asked her point blank. I was like, she was talking about how she picks projects. And, and I, and I remember asking her, cause I was like, in, in theory, I was a first time filmmaker that got beat into me, you know, mm-hmm. from the producers and, you know, and we can talk about that. Like, even though obviously Did I they was think like, that was no, like a selling on... point. No, no, they, it was a selling point for them to, uh, to basically. So I would not to be able to you. bring certain people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. we don't normally work with first time yeah. filmmakers. But you know? in the truth, like the, isn't the truth that you probably have done commercials whose budgets are bigger than your entire feature film budget. Right. Yes. And that, and the reality is we've been on collectively, all of us, you know, three of us have been on more sets and spent more time actually crafting, sure. um, than, than, you know, most. So, uh, yeah, but that was something that, and I, I just remember asking her and I think it's the material. And then she's like, and then, cause we had met 
prior, um, you know, we ended up having a, you know, a meeting before I think most actors, they want to connect with the director and, and hear their vision. And I, I don't know if the commercials, my guess is that my commercials meant nothing to her. Honestly, Yeah. I mean, you never know who, like what her people, like someone's doing due diligence, right. And like Googling you real quick and seeing some good work. And then when their boss is like, oh, is this guy for real? They can say, yeah, he's done some awesome stuff. That's probably the extent of it. But that is meaningful, you know? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think it's like CSS story. Take, look, these guys can tell a story. They know they've been on set. I mean, they know how to, you know, beginning, middle, and an end. But but I do think that there's one thing that I, I was getting a little bit in the beginning from the producers was like, oh, you come from commercials. You have tons of money to do stuff. You guys throw mm-hmm. money at everything. This is an indie mm-hmm. film. You know, we don't know if your people, meaning I, I was, you know, I really wanted to bring a lot of my crew over. We don't know if they know how to do an indie film. And and, yeah, yeah. and luckily I was able to bring um production designer who came from commercials, but had done a couple films, a DP mm-hmm. who came from commercials, but has done several films. Um, my script supervisor, uh, Julia Schachter, who. Oh, see, I just worked, worked with her. Oh, she's the best, right? I mean, she's awesome. And so, but that was like, they needed to have a film credit for the producers to say okay to me it was really kind of tough like i mm-hmm. i couldn't bring mm-hmm. anybody you know my oh my you know i had to fight really hard for my wardrobe stylist um costume designer deborah leclerc who had done maybe one movie like that was a big fight but i i won that one but they were and she you know she crushed it like i wouldn't have been able to do the this movie in la with the short amount of time that i had without my keys that i'd worked with before i feel like having a shorthand with them i think is really valuable you know like when you're still getting to know a person and how they collaborate all of that stuff you know it's it's easy for producers mm. to underestimate that value 100 i don't also think that yeah. crew has your back exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they're gonna go they, like they know the that the paydays are coming and right. they're going to crush it. And, and they also want to yeah. do great work. And they you probably know, like well. you. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they, and well, they probably but like I think, you. But, yeah, but yeah. to your point about the great work, I mean, I think, look, we, there are commercials that we love and you, you know, live and breathe and they're amazing and they're so fun. And, and we put our everything into it. I think with this indie film, I do feel like breaking it up for people is really great. Your crew. So it's just something different, you know, it's exercising a different muscle. And so they did get excited. I think in that way. Um, did you, did you have a conversation with them about the differences? Were you like, Hey, my producers are a little nervous because we're used to a certain style of production. Mm. You know, are you down? You know, I, I did. did you have those conversations? I certainly did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's like, look, this is what, this is the money we're going to have. There isn't any more. It's not like we can go to a client and get an overage. Like it doesn't work mm-hmm, like that. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think the truth of the matter is everybody from commercials are so fucking good at what they do. And they've been doing, they, they just like, they get on a set and it's like second nature and they're so fast. And I just feel like, you know, anybody that we brought in who, wasn't in commercials it was almost like it was they were much slower so (laughs) you know what i mean like i would take a commercial crew and and i think i think more commercial directors should be directing tv and features like i just feel like the the skills that we've learned whether it's amen buddy uh, i mean (laughs) i I really believe working with clients yes that's what and producers right totally it really is a a lot of um psychological warfare you know, doing commercials. Mm-hmm. And well, and I think people underestimate the similarities between a client and an agency and a studio. 
right? They're all kind of the same breed of like, you know, smart and engaged and business savvy and worried about their own domain and not as used to or experienced in the world of production, right? Like that's the reason we're there. And so like a studio note versus a client note versus, you know, like it's kind of the same, you employ the same skills, I Uh, guess is what I'm trying to say. Totally. A hundred percent. And I remember if someone disagrees with you, you know, whether it's a producer or financier, being able to articulately explain why you're choosing this, you know, location or why this is a little Mm -hmm. bit more. I remember I had to about a, I don't know, a week before maybe, or a couple days before I I had to choose which days I was going to have the dolly. And so I, you know, (laughs) I was like, I, you know, and so we went, I went through with Jeff Cutter and it was like kind of ballpark. Okay. Well, I guess I don't need it on this day. I think we probably, I mean, and then what ended up happening was on the first day of shooting, which I had said, there's, I'm not going to need it. I absolutely needed it. Like I changed my mind. I'm like this, I thousand percent need it. So then we made this like, you know, almost like a rickshaw weird, you know, not skateboard, mm-hmm. but practically. Right. The PVC pipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and, and then it was kind of fun in a way, like a lot of everybody was laughing. There's pictures taken. It was like, oh, we're back in film school. But like you make it work and you do what you have to do. But that was really hard for me. Like in commercials, you know, you just say, I want a dolly and, and we decide. You know, I think we storyboard and you're like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to use the dolly here. But but then you do it and you're like, oh, I don't like that. Let's just do it handheld or whatever. Like, I yeah. would, you know, you're not allowed to do that on an indie like this. Yeah, you don't get gear that you might need. But it's silly because it's a, not even gear. It's like a dolly. And for us, it's like, you know, it's always on the truck. Yeah. You could just grab it in a commercial. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, uh, I do want to go back to one one thing just because Matt and I are fascinated by how people put their projects together and how. And I think a lot of our listeners do. And again, like Gene Smart, like, you know, this insane cast. Um, and I think this producer, Matt Lancaster, I talked about this before. He kind of helped me redo my entire website a, a year ago, which made a huge difference. And he said, look, people, they Google you, they scroll to the bottom, they look at your worst thing you've ever made. And that's how they decide if you're a good director. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? um, and, and I think that if you're Kieran or her agent or a person and they're like, oh, we got this script from Matt Smuckler, let's Google him. Like if they, if you had 10 shorts on your website and one of them was kind of bad, you know, like the performances felt false or mm. the cinematography was like overly mm-hmm. saturated or saccharine well, or something. Even if one aspect was bad, which I think is maybe a little bit more realistic. No one's like, oh, I'm, I'll keep the bad short on my website just because there's 10 slots and I've only got nine good things. It's more that like people are like, well, these shots look really good even though this performance is bad or something. Yeah. Or you have a celebrity, but the Mm -hmm. cinematography is like so, so, and, or it just feels false. Right. And I think, because I think a lot of people, maybe they're in your situation, they've been directing for a while. They have all these things they've done, all these shorts and uh, a great script and great material. And they've got a company behind them and some money. And then every actor turns them down. And I think that it's probably because of something like that. You Google director's name and then you go to their website and then you're like, yeah, this kind of feels like a film school short. You know, you don't want to, if you're Kiernan Chipka or any one of these like big actors, you don't want to commit to being in this movie that might look like that. Maybe even a broader, in a broader sense, you just can't give people a reason to say no, Hmm. whether that's a short or a bad reputation or, you know, it's hard to know what people are looking at when. Mm. So the trick is everyone just have a perfect resume. Yeah. But, but <laughs> even if they don't care about your commercials, what I'm saying is they go to your website and they see these 
beautiful sure. images just in the thumbnails and they're like, okay, I get it. I, I he, mean, he's safe. I think you know? you're, and I think, well, you know, one thing too is that, that you're saying, which is really smart is it's just self edit. And, 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 you know, I think maybe less is more and, and, and really be hard on yourself in terms of what you are putting up there to show the world. Like this is, this is who I am. This is the kind of work I do and want to do. And this is yeah, a good indication of what, what the movie's going to look like or, or TV is. show or what your taste yeah. is. Yeah. I think that's smart. And all I know is they responded to a script, you know, that I know. And once I, I also have learned, like once you get one actor, it's like a domino, like you just need one, you know? And it's, um, it's just, mm-hmm. this, who was your first one? It was Kiernan. Was it Kiernan? Yeah, it was Kiernan. And it was just, it was like, it, it just happened very quickly after her. And, um, you know, look, I've got other things now that we're trying to put together and it's not happening the way that, you know, this did. I think it takes a lot longer for people to read. And, and this is where producers really can be helpful in terms of who you're submitting to and where they are in their career, you know, because mm-hmm. I do think this was the perfect movie for Kiernan for, you know, where she's at in her career. It was a starring role in a movie. It's her movie. You know, I don't know if she would have said yes to be, the, you know, a, a friend or, a, you know, someone else in the movie. Like it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like finding somebody where they're, you know, on a rise is also, and that that's where good producers can really be helpful. Um, yeah. So yeah. she had starred in, I mean, obviously Sabrina and she's sure. TV. She's a leading lady already. But TV, right? TV, it's TV, very, very different. And, and also like genre and like youth oriented. Yeah. And the other thing too, that is, is, is I think illuminating to say the least is you could be really a big star in TV and it just doesn't, they won't give you the money or won't give me the money to make the movie with this TV actor. It's like, it's a very, even still, even though most of the content we're consuming is on TV, there's this very strange, Mm -hmm. you have to have proved yourself in the in a movie like I, in, I you know yeah. it's 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 weird it's like except if you're you know well you look at like look at like Aubrey Plaza Aubrey was was really doing great she was doing shorts she was doing indie films but she wasn't like the Aubrey Plaza post um you know uh, what's the show uh, Parks and Rec no no um Parks and Rec oh oh uh, oh, oh White, White Lotus, Lotus. No, White Lotus. oh God, sure yeah yeah, yeah. Like brain fart yeah, no yeah. but like now she, you know, so it's interesting, like that show that it was zeitgeisty and all of a sudden now you can't even get Aubrey. So I don't, you know, it's like, I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think they're, you know, you can sort of have this crazy trajectory from TV, but, but what I'm finding is, well, they haven't done it. Yeah, they're great, but they haven't yeah, done sure. movies. They haven't done it twice. I always make the joke, like I would have made a movie 10 years ago if the executives had watched shameless or whatever, whatever, like, you know, cable drama I was casting from at the time. And I think like this Aubrey Plaza versus Kiernan Shipka example is really ripe because Kiernan Shipka, I think has been on TV for a long time. America's watched her grow up. She's, she's a name, a proper name for sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I don't know what the viewership numbers are white Lotus versus Sabrina, the teenage witch, but I'm sure they're relatively comparable. But White Lotus was the most buzzy Hollywood show. Like there's not a person at any barbecue I've been to in the last six months who hasn't watched White Lotus. It was like currency that you could always That's count been on. Two barbecues, I've been to two barbecues, <laughs> but like, you know, literally like meetings and stuff like yeah. you, you, all Hollywood people were watching that show for yeah, sure. Yeah. It yeah. like, you know, the Sunday night HBO shows 
as a guy who doesn't watch sports, I can count on at least being able to have a little water cooler time on succession or something. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, but I think that there is something real about what quote unquote is prestigious or not, you know? Yeah. And that's not about whether one thing is better than the other. That's just like how Hollywood works on a certain level. Yeah. I have one last question about putting the movie together again, mainly just cause I want to know for myself, but, uh, when you had this meeting with Kiernan, did you bring any materials? What's like, what do you bring to show her to talk about? I didn't or bring do you any, just like I, I didn't, say, Hey, what's up? What? Yeah, I didn't bring any materials. Um, I will say what we did have was um, what, what we sent to this, the, you know, sort of our producing partners was a deck. So I did like an intro about me and then I just did a little bit of writing in terms of just uh, how I saw it, look and feel and tone, but but not much, nothing like what I think we do in commercials. Um, and then just a lot of images. And and then we had some bios about people who we did have, you know, um, some of the producers. Mm-hmm. But but that I don't know if that if she ever saw that or not. Um, what were the main movie references that you pulled from for oh, your images? Um, like in the deck? Yeah, in that deck, God, it was so long ago. Um, I, you know, one one movie that I, I definitely referenced was Silver Linings Playbook, but I, I don't think that was in, I don't think that was in there. I think I might have just had an overall, like more photography in there, actually. I don't think I had any mm-hmm. real film references. And I definitely didn't have casting references in there. Um, I did, right, right. I do think that, and, and, you know, I think some people are on the fence about this, but but I do, I did write Jean Smart a letter and, um, you know, she's in the movie. So may, maybe that helped. I never asked her if she read it, but I, um, I did. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, I mean, I begged her, begged and pleaded. No, I, I love her. I mean, I thought she's just, I, you know, I just sort of was very honest about how, how much I am such a fan and, and what she could bring to, to this role. I, I felt, um, you're like, you're like, you're really hot right now. Everyone's talking about you. So I need you in this yeah. movie. <laughs> In terms of like trying to figure out the special sauce, like I, I would say that if like there's OK, there's like some friends of mine, some actors actually who have done commercials and um, and then they've had parts in, in some TV and stuff. They came to me with a pilot uh, recently, like a pilot they wrote that's fucking hilarious and really great, and really inventive. And I actually said to them, this was a week ago, we should just pick a scene and we should shoot it because the truth is. Uh, yes, I've made commercials and yes, now I've made a feature, but guess what? I haven't made a, I haven't done TV and it's like, no one's going to, they're going to be like, well, Kazi done that TV. feature like premiered at Toronto and stuff. Like it's not like, yeah, but it's just, I, but it's just the first feature. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you know, why don't we pick, why don't we pick either a monologue or a, there's, there's a couple you know moments in there that I think could be really great. And maybe we just take half a day and we shoot it. And, and mm-hmm. then that way I, I do feel that, that executives, are able to visualize much, much better when they see something moving versus us giving them a lookbook mm-hmm. or if there's any way possible. And as commercial directors, like I feel like you, we should be able to do that relatively, not, not with a full crew. I'm not, you know what I mean? But, but you know how to like, mm-hmm. you can take something from whatever it is you're trying to get made, you know, and I, and if it's not great, if it's not the tone that you're going to be doing and it doesn't look as good or it doesn't, then maybe then then obviously don't do it. But but I think if you could figure out a, a way to do that, I, I do think it makes a difference. It's funny. I was going to save this for Matt and I do this like catch up segment before we do the interview usually where I today I sent my first video treatment I've ever made it was for a commercial, wow. but it's kind of like a long form commercial. And it was it's mainly me talking with, you know, intercutting clips and references, mm-hmm. but it's 
the the thing I'm pitching on is a mockumentary about this producer that is trying to put together this big event for this big company mm. and they have no idea what they're doing and they keep messing things up. And I filmed my treatment while my son turned two over the weekend. Matt came over. We had a few people over. Oh, that's cool. And so I filmed it like leading up to my son's party and I, you know, it was, it was pre, pre set up, but my wife kept calling me during the treatment and like having me do different things like go get, go get the bagels, go pick up the donuts, make the decoration, like do all the things. And so my treatment was very much done in the style that the thing I'm pitching on. I think that's is genius. How I'm pitching it should be done, I, I, yeah, you know? I think there's no yeah. way you're not going to get that. Like, I think that's, it's that kind of creative thinking, you know, that I think we need. I mean, I think, and, and it certainly can help people visualize that's, that's the truth. And that's what I, mm-hmm. I do find that they have mm-hmm. a very difficult time visualizing. But do you feel like it has to be good? Cause we've seen so many, I'm sure Matt, you, you know, between the two of us, so many amazing WeFunder Kickstarter videos, you know, where people are showing you parts of scenes and parts of the movie mm-hmm. they want to make and parts of this and Indiegogo campaigns where you're like, yeah, I, like I get it. And that's mm-hmm. like what the like home video version of this scene is. No, yeah, I, no, no. I, I, think... I don't think you can do that. No, it has to be. You're selling yourself. It, it has, has to be the thing. Yeah, it yeah. has to be the thing. And but I don't think it necessarily has to be celebrities in it. Like, I feel like you could do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's really hard. I'm not sure. I, I think that, you know, for this TV thing, we're supposed to Gwyneth Paltrow is supposed to be in it for like a split second. It's like, for a, you know, as a goop. You know, she's basically, mm-hmm. you know, right. podcasting about See this. See if she's on Cameo. Yeah, so, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, but we were thinking, like, between the three of us, can we get to someone who could be, you know, who could impersonate her or at least could be enough of a mm-hmm, lifestyle mm-hmm. kind of person? And let's just film this monologue that's super funny. And then it's just to get this conversation going. And that's, so, like, in what you did with your treatment – you know, obviously it's going to look better than what you did, but I think it shows your personality. It shows how creative you are and what you're going to do with the piece. And so I guess that's kind of what it is. I don't, I don't no, I don't think you should go in there and be like, Hey, you know, on my iPhone, this is what it's going to look like unless you are actually going to do it on an iPhone. It's like going in with a level of self-awareness, right? So like maybe it's a joke or maybe you're just making it clear that it's a recreation somehow, but mm-hmm. like just, making sure that the audience is in on whatever you're trying to do. Cause I was going to suggest like, Oh, what if you, you know, do a level of abstraction where it's storyboards and an animatic or something like that. Then people know it's not the real movie, but you're still mm-hmm. getting the tone across. There's a right. lot of different ways to approach any, whatever project yeah. you're talking about creatively. Right. Yeah. You start falling into, do they, can everyone watch a storyboard and understand what that means? Sure. You add a little bit of animation. No, but I think that storyboard is really smart, not not in terms of getting actors, but it's really smart to show how you're thinking about sequences. I think that's actually brilliant. And in terms of getting something funded, getting producers excited about you, I think that's a great idea. But that's, you know, and that's, I don't, I don't know who's doing that, but that's something that I think would really matter. What I've been trying to do is... Um, is is meet actors and so in terms of meaning like well if they don't if they're not 100 percent on the on the script just meet me so they can hear me tell them about how, mm-hmm. how i'm seeing it versus mm-hmm. showing up with a lookbook and a, i just think they all sort of become mm-hmm. and at homogenized which, at which point of this meeting do you ask for the selfie is it in like the beginning <laughs> immediately right the bat? immediately <laughs> yeah first thing yeah yeah um, it, so actors just meet you even if they're not that into the, a script 
I mean, I think I'm, I think now, no, I think now I'm getting, I'm having meetings because of the movie. So I'm able to kind of meet whether or not they, they may not a hundred percent love it, but they think they're willing to kind of meet, uh, take a chance. Um, so no, I guess, but, but I think after you do a, you know, just even whatever the feature is, how tiny it is, I think you can say, look, I can do something a little bit longer than 30 seconds. I do think, I, I believe so wholeheartedly in, in commercial directors and their ability to tell longer stories. I think where people fail, I guess, is, is in losing track of the story and the narrative. And where if you're a visual mm-hmm. storyteller only, I've seen, you know, we've, we've all seen sort of some commercial directors who make beautiful, beautiful lifestyle images and are just, you feel it and, and you, you know, can make you cry in terms of their imagery. But then when it comes down to a narrative film, losing track of the story, I think is, is a problem. It looks amazing. So yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's the body of work. I think it's all of the above. It's your body of work. And, and I love this idea of narrowing it down. You know, you sort of cull it down to what most, you know, sort of is representative of the movie that you want to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a kind of a a different approach for each, each project, I suppose. Yeah. So, so, the, Matt, the thing that I'm getting the most, not the most, but a, th- a thread I'm I'm picking up on is like, you're very passionate about commercial filmmaking and understanding. You're just in, you're in that world. You know, those people, you've got an incredible career. The, the question of the hour is why make a feature? Yeah. I mean, and that's a great question. And I, I've been very, very happy staying in my lane. You know, I just, I like, I do. I love commercials. I love what we do. I, um, it's gotten, but what if you didn't make as much money and it was way harder and even more rejection? <laughs> I mean, is it possible that more rejection? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess not technically not more rejection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a job they were like, Oh, you know, I, I booked the job and it was like, Oh, but the, the social aspect, does he know how to do an unbox, like an unboxing Could someone opening the burger box oh, God. on an iPhone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah okay well yes i can do that but if you feel more comfortable we'll have his kids direct that one <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and as you know it's like when you get you know when you're busy in commercials you're just sort of it's it's all encompassing and you're uh, you're living and breathing it and there was one movie that uh, i don't know if you guys know nat faxon and jim rash they they've gone mm-hmm. on to, yeah they're huge but they were really they were commercial actors for forever and um, and some of my favorite ones to cast because they were groundlings. Just, yes, exactly. And improv masters. Like you could just, you, it didn't matter. Like the script could be terrible, but you would, as long as you had those two guys, it would be fucking amazing by the end. Like they would just riff. And they had a script called The Way, Way Back, which I don't know if you saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it had been held up with a director and a production company for years. And it was finally coming free and I, I don't know it was like it was on literally the last blockbuster commercial the agency knew blockbuster was done and they just had this like little bit of money to do like one final hurrah for blockbuster literally it was like the last time and so we, it was on that and i had nat faxon was casting it and he said oh would you want to read the script like we we finally got it back and and i read it and i was like oh this would be incredible like i would love and i ended up doing like a visual deck for him and for for jim and and they were like, oh, this is great. And we're going to talk to our managers. And and then they ended up, I think, I don't know, a couple of days later, they got the call that they were nominated for an Oscar for The Descendants. Mm-hmm. And that was the year, you remember, 
Rash won when they won, he like stuck his leg out like Angelina Jolie did. <laughs> Do you yeah, guys remember that? So it's like such a funny, weird dick. So anyway. Sorry. Yeah, he um but so they the managers were like, sorry. you know, wait, who's this guy, Matt Smuckler? Like, has he ever done a movie? Like, are you sure that uh-huh. Do you want to risk it never getting made or you have a window right now? I mean, why don't, you know, you guys have said you wanted to direct something. And so they, you know, they were very nice and said, look, we think we should take this opportunity to do it because we've got a little heat and our managers are telling. So that, so that was one movie that, and then, um, and that was it. Like I wasn't going up on, career. I wasn't going up on movies. You know, I wasn't doing that. It, it's, it's who you work with. And there was a creative director and she's, an amazing she's a brilliant novelist also and so she had a book and and she was like i think you you know you would this would be so fun to turn this into a movie and so that was the script that i was working on with jana because jana's a screenwriter and and kathy was a novelist and so it was kind of like we were working as a threesome to you know for jana to kind of help in, in terms of structure and mm-hmm. and that you know i think it's just that was what i was doing but it wasn't like i was like yeah i want to tell longer stories but um but I really, mm-hmm. I, I really love, you know, I love our, our kind of parameters and I love storytelling short form, but, but I'll be honest, like now I, I definitely am, am sort of have the bug also to kind of do, continue to try to do longer stuff. Like, I feel like when you make a long form thing and you're like, Hey, we can set something up now and pay it off in 20 minutes. Like <sighs> what joy. And also like, maybe the story doesn't really work in 30 seconds, but it works great in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. And we've been there before too, where you're just like, I know, and I, you know, I feel like I love 60 seconds or 90. You're just sort of like, I, I feel like it's, mm-hmm. it is, it's really hard to kind of not, not comedy stuff works obviously really well in 30, but yeah, having a, a little bit of time to tell a story. Yeah. 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 A, a long form is my favorite, right? That's just like, Oh, that's the digital cut. <laughs> doesn't it could doesn't be 35 matter. it yeah. could be 42 who cares yeah, yeah. i had a, oh. i had a final question for you that was going to be about you know becoming an expert at pitching through commercials and then like understanding this idea of this secret sauce but i'm gonna throw that question out because i was clicking around your website i just realized you directed the cheerios commercial with the white mom and the black dad that like caused the crazy uproar in oh, the world. Is that crazy? Remember that, Matt? Yeah, I do. And Wait, well, yes. Yes. It, uh, it was like, now it's like 95% of commercials. It's like, <laughs> are cast it's like, like woke Cheerios, right? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. mean, they were... At the time, it was like, yeah. What was your experience with that? I mean, that was one of these things where I I was telling Matt prior to us talking, I, I, was, I started you know doing comedy. Like, it was comedy... I was a comedy director and the team that I was working with said, we have this, you know, it's funny ish, but it's kind of emotional. Like, would you, do you think you could do it? And, and so I, you know, I read it. I was like, yeah, fuck. I definitely would want to do this. And, and we, we cast it. Um, the idea was we were Cheerios spot where, where a daughter is the mom tells her daughter that Cheerios are good for your heart. And she goes, her dad is sleeping on the couch. She goes and she pours the Cheerios onto his heart. Yeah. Right. And he wakes up and he's like, what? Yeah. And I don't know. That's that's a script. That's a script. I don't know if you guys had this. This was sort of, I don't know, it's, you know, years ago, but they were where we would have to kind of cast in tandem. It would be like, okay, we're going to cast, you know, African-American and then we're going to cast Caucasian. It was like, it was never, you never mixed. It was just sort of like two versions. Yeah. There's either two versions. Right. And, and this was, I don't think they wanted to do two versions, but I think they wanted to see 
are, you know, sort of a black family and a white option, you know, mm-hmm. and then they would decide. Mm-hmm. And what we did was I just, I absolutely love the dad and I love this mom and this kid who, you know, Gracie, she, I was like, you know, she was perfect. And so we, we sort of did a version for them where we put that family together and to, to general mills credit. I mean, they didn't say a word, didn't blink, didn't say anything. And other, they're like, well, yeah, we get it. They're, they're great. And so there was never a discussion on our end. It wasn't like, oh, we're doing something unusual. And then I, they were all shocked at what happened. I mean, there was it was crazy. I mean, there was a lot of backlash from from African-American women. It's, you know, it was like, you know, they were furious. And I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. Um, yeah. But our friends, the Fine Brothers, made this video called Kids React. I think this was like the oh, one that put yes. them on the map Holy where they shit. showed your commercial to kids. And they said, why do you think people were upset by this commercial? You know, and there's a white mom and a black dad and the kids could not figure it out. They're like, uh, cause they're, she's making a mess with the Cheerios. Like <laughs> was dad sleeping and she woke him up. Like they could not figure it out. And it was like that it made them, they st- they launched the whole react uh, empire and then continue. Wow. Then That's so cool. I, who I, I would send react that. I know. I, I you know, I, yeah. I, I, I could go down all sorts of rabbit holes in terms of commercials, but. I feel like, and I don't know if you guys agree, but like ideas like that, um, just pure little ideas about a girl who misunderstands and pours the Cheerios on the heart. I'm, I'm not seeing those on TV anymore. Like I'm not, my kids are sort yeah. of like, where are the yeah. commercials that you did that are on your reel? Like we don't see those anymore on TV. Yeah. I Can think you tell that story in six seconds <laughs> sure. without any audio or dialogue. <laughs> With an influencer? I have a theory for it actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that honestly, Look, we've all noticed that budgets are going down, right? And uh, production budgets specifically, uh, media buy, I think the the numbers are, maybe they're going down, maybe they're staying the same, but they're moving a ton of that buy to digital. And digital has Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. And so the metrics are different and also the expectations are different, right? You can do, if you do a broadcast TV spot, you're going to, you, you're not assuming they're going to change the channel in five seconds. They're going to, they're waiting for the commercial to be over. And so you can tell a story that doesn't say the brand name in the first five seconds. That doesn't start with a hook that doesn't have a person's face up at top and doesn't, you know, like, whereas you're also not measuring conversions. Yeah, exactly. Like what's the click through rate? How many, like all of that stuff, you can still make a good ad that way, but when it's digital first, or if you know that the digital is the workhorse, literally Google is telling ad agencies how to optimize their ads to make them more clickable. Right. And that's right. why there's this homogenization. That's why it's all people talking directly to camera, directly into the lens. All of that stuff is just the YouTube as ization of, of advertising. Yeah, I think you're sure. right. I tell you, I'm in a, I'm in a pitch right now for a cable uh, campaign for a cable company. And they are basically like, look, our audience is 55 plus rural oh, awesome. America because, awesome. because no one else would buy, buy cable. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, then they're not saying like, say Comcast up top. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no influencer in that spot. <laughs> Do you yeah. not think there that there's some is. hope for <laughs> like the, now that Netflix and the streamers are, yeah. having commercials like and you would think 100%. they would like interesting commercials leading up to their interesting programming yeah. right yeah 
Yeah. I mean, you still get that during the Super Bowl, during the Oscars, during, yes. you know, like yeah. the big, the top 1% of yeah. broadcast. I'm just talking spots, about ideas. You know, like, I'm not even talking about expense. I'm just saying, where have the ideas gone? Yeah. Well, I think they're getting shot down because of the the style of advertising that's working right now. But I think to your point, Netflix rolling out ads. Hallelujah. But also like like I see a, most of my ads through Hulu, frankly. Mm. Peacock rolls out like all of the yeah. streaming services are rolling out ads. And so like that is a uh, uh you can do an awareness campaign mm. on those platforms yeah. basically. And so um I have a question awesome. for you guys. What, YouTube yeah. Uh, I, like, sorry, the last thing about that, like a Hulu ad or a Peacock ad versus a YouTube ad, like the YouTube ads, you can skip after five seconds. So right, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. So those are designed to be five so we, second. Right. Like, that's true. Heavy, but Hulu, or like, Hulu, you got to watch yeah, it. Have you worked with creatives or, or have you done um, something where you're like, this is a great idea and there's something more here that we could do whether it's a, uh, you know, a TV show or, or something, it's feature, is there, you know, because did you know, like General Mills, that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was essentially an ad. I mean, that was funded by General Mills back in the day. It was, it's a basically a two hour ad. I mean, like, commercial for chocolate. Sure. I mean, yeah. You know, it's for, like the caveman TV show based on the yeah. Geico campaign. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> I, I was, that. I had high hopes for that, but that, they, I don't know, something happened there, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, I know. I'm just curious if you guys have ever, have you done anything where you're like, this is such a great idea. Like we can make this into something more. I mean, we've both, Matt and I have both done like a lot of branded content. You know, we did mm -hmm. series for Verizon and mm -hmm. shows, oh, you that's know, cool. uh, this thing, this thing I did the video treatment on. It's actually an hour long, like mockumentary, comedy mockumentary for a brand. Oh, wow. What you're talking about, which is. Yeah. You, you have a spot. Supersede and you wanna... the brand. I wish, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the branded content stuff, certainly there were, there were instances where it would, you know, but that was more that we were like, it was a sketch group and we were doing other sketches already, or it was a repeatable prank or something like that. Yeah. Not, nothing right. like Adam ruins everything. And those, you know, the, the, we've seen a lot of web series turn into TV shows sure. like yeah. the high maintenance style. But things, I wonder right? why, like, so do you guys, do they ever come to you and say, you know, can you guys collaborate with us or help us turn something in or, or they're coming to you with the ideas? I did do a thing once with College Humor where an agency came to us with an idea that we then riffed on and turned into a series. But it, was, it certainly didn't have the intention of becoming something bigger than a branded content series but i, I think there is the, that world has maybe kind of like gone away a little bit but I, there was a period of time where ad agencies as kind of a sidecar would be like we'll go to buzzfeed or mm. college humor or funny or die and develop a branded series in addition to the big shiny expensive campaign i wonder why that went away I, to me that seems like that would be something that could be really cool for the brand and i think all of those companies uh are no longer around i think they don't listen to me yeah <laughs> obviously you guys have a lot of ideas and you're not just ex you're not just there to execute and so i do think that in terms of you know and and sort of me coming off of this feature and and how people really are looking for the director to 
to have to not only just execute, but to sit there and 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 to have ideas. And, and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And it'd be I, I wonder why they don't reach out earlier to guys like you and and involve you mm-hmm. earlier in the process at directors, you know, who or who are more idea centric as opposed to just you know, you know I will say the last campaign I did, we did um that it was baked in that I would like I had punch up sessions. I think that in comedy, depending on what the creative is, sometimes you'll be like, Hey, I can put together a writer's room or I can bring my comedy friends in or like I always uh, my stock joke I have is like, you know, you hire me to direct, but you get a rewrite for free, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's great. But, but but improv is part of like my thing and part of what I'm talking about. Orin hates improv now. Um, <laughs> Today on my pitch call, they're like, so tell us, how do you work with improv and actors? I'm like, actors don't like improv. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just something people write in treatments to get the job. <laughs> I like uh, improv still. I still no, improv. you like improv if you have like some, like you're riffing on some real clear thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's but still when structure. the agency's like, hey, you're holding ketchup, say something funny. You know, sure. Yeah. You know who loves improv is Reed Scott from my my movie and Veep. That guy is incredible. Oh, really? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you're yeah. right. Most actors, yeah. it's like they just don't. But then if you're an improv guy, then yeah, let them let them rip. I think if you set them up well, like you see T.J. Miller doing these like long runs on Deadpool or whatever, and it's because it's like come up with ten ways to insult this guy's looks. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. Ryan Reynolds, you yeah. know, so it's easy. Totally. But if someone's just saying like, hey, you know, you love this cream cheese, say something about that. That's funny. You know, right. it's like totally. in the commercial world. I think a lot of creatives and the agency side have trouble separating entertainment from mm-hmm. selling product. You know, right. They don't realize that those two things aren't always like helping each other. You right. know? Um, but so, so you brought up Reed Scott, though, and it, it incited an interesting question. So you've got like we've been talking about just such an awesome cast, but kind of from all sorts of different worlds, right? You've got people who are more traditionally drama based, right? Like who are like, you know, we talked about Kiernan Shipka. She grew up on Mad Men. That's a word perfect show. You can't, you can't change. You can't move a clause around the commas where it is, the period, like everything is perfect. Right. And then Reed Scott from Veep, they're riffing nonstop, right? Like Matt Walsh was on that show. He's one of the, you know, forefathers of of improv. Yeah. So how do you, how do you mesh all of those different acting styles and perspectives in, in a film like this? I mean, we, you know, we all met um, at my house and we did, we ended up having like a breakfast and I was, you know, able to kind of observe the different personalities and the different almost styles that people had. Um, you know, in, in, in a very organic way. And I mean, I think that Reed, you know, Reed, like Reed is a improv guy. Alexander Daddario is not necessarily that, but mm-hmm. she certainly appreciated it. And, you know, and we didn't, we also didn't have the luxury of the time I would have liked to have been able to just let sure. Reed go. So that yeah. truth is he was able to get a couple right. of things in and, um, but, you know, and then it's interesting with Kiernan, you're absolutely right. Like that show was so word perfect, but she is extremely funny, extremely intelligent and a fucking great improviser herself. So she's just kind of has mm-hmm. this natural, I mean, she's like a triple thread in every way. So look, I think you got to, we all have our, our favorites and, and I don't know about you, but like, I'll see someone in a show and I'll make sure, you know, 
write them down if I don't know who they are and you start to keep a log of people that you're that you just want to work with and a dream case mm -hmm. and my biggest struggle now is trying to figure out a way to work with some actors that I think are so talented but that aren't valued in the way that maybe I think they should be in the marketplace mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's sort of disgusting yeah. but and so how do we make something with them if they're not if we're not able to get financing that's kind of mm -hmm. the, you're saying that the financiers don't think they're famous enough basically right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. right like a will smith or a yeah. tom cruise you can't <laughs> yeah. uncastable yeah it's just yeah. unmakeable <laughs> no it's always funny it's like well yeah. we'll make this movie and there's like the same five you know five people in different age groups sure. but it's the same that's it and it's like how do you how do you you know in your heart in your gut that this person's gonna be a mega star but how do you get that how do you do it dude i was just listening to a, a podcast that i talk about all the time the town and they did a survey of like who are the movie stars that make people decide to go to the movies and there's like four of them <laughs> and also none of them in that list are under 40 or even 50 oh, yeah. we're talking old like wow, there's we, no more we made the youngest about, one was we'll, like chris hemsworth right and wow. he's 40. yeah yeah exactly no that, th like think about that that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Like, but also we, you we, have to be in a lot of movies to get to that level. Sure, sure. But like when you say, oh, who are the most famous people in the world? You say Brad Pitt. You say Will Smith. You say Tom Cruise. Those guys are pretty darn old and they've been that famous <laughs> basically our whole lives. I as mean, long as I've known what movies were, yeah. Tom Cruise has been famous. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Look, but, but who is the Tom? Who's the Tom Cruise of, of our generation? Or not ours. I mean, you know, we're we're kind of sure. old, but yeah, I, he was he was Tom Cruise way back. You know, I feel like that guy was yeah. Tom Cruise. You know, even when he did his first movie, Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't beginning. know. I actually haven't even seen Elvis, but that Austin Butler seems to be getting a lot of he's crazy, amazing. You know, That's, um, I like that movie a lot. He's yeah, he's. For a while. I think he's yeah he's going to be a big star. That dude. Before we hop into our unpaid endorsements, how can people check out Wildflower? So Wildflower, uh, you can rent it now on um, Amazon or, or uh, at Apple, but it will also be on Hulu on June 23rd. Cool. And are you, are you, do you tweet or Instagram? Is there anywhere to follow you? I'm, I, I'm not, a, no, I'm not on, on, ever since Elon Musk took over, I'm not on Twitter, but I, I am on Instagram, msmuckler, S-M-U-K-L-E-R, not like the jelly. Awesome. Well, do you have a few more minutes to hang out and endorse with us? Sure. Unpaid endorsements. Or you're going to give me a hard time about this. Yep. <sighs> I hadn't seen the Creed movies. Okay. And uh, so I was like, Creed 3 is the biggest movie in the country right now. It's no. a phenomenon. Super Mario Brothers. That was, it, it had a weekend before Super Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers is the biggest movie of the year. Creed, but anyway, Creed was a hit. And I was like, I need to catch up. This is insane. And my wife and I had been like going back and forth. She's like, I haven't seen all the Rocky movies. I can't ju <laughs> jump in midstream. So I finally was uh, like, I'm just going to watch this without you. Uh, and it took me like, I don't know, like eight nights or whatever. I've been watching movies in like 10 minute increments. But goddamn, that movie is great. Creed is, 1, the first one. Creed, the Creed 1. Creed 1 is incredible. And I'm not like a big blood sports guy I, I dislike them very much but i like sports movies generally speaking you could cut out the boxing in that movie and it would just be a great indie drama and that's a uh, rachel morrison shoot it yeah and, and you know obviously kugler directed it but we were talking about who are the upcoming movie stars i guess it's 
Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan's yeah. like more than up and coming, but he's boy, yeah. he's he's got it. He's incredible. That movie is great, and I dislike boxing. Yeah, and it's, it's not really about boxing. It's not about boxing. It, it, the other thing that I think is interesting for listeners, besides it just being a good movie, is like the the boxing is all meant to be symbolic of the emotional arcs of the characters, but it's not subtext. It's the text. Creed is like, I need to win this fight because I need to justify my existence as a person for these reasons. Rocky is like, I need you to win this fight because of, I owe it to like it's they're They're explaining their character motivations so clearly and it yeah. still works and is so beautiful. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I like totally loved it. It's perfectly by the book, Save the Cat. And yet it's still so good. Immersion. Yeah. And, and it wasn't Rachel Morrison that shot it. It oh. was Marise Alberti. Oh. Um, but, oh. Uh, oh, I've worked with her. Yeah, she's great. Because I, mean, I know awesome. Rachel shot Fruitvale Station, Ryan's oh. previous movie. And I, I kind of know her. I'd seen her somewhere and she was like, yeah, Ryan asked me to shoot Creed. And I was like, I'm such an idiot. I didn't shoot it. I shot Mudbound instead. And then she got nominated for an Oscar for that. But, um, but, uh, but to me, my favorite moment of that movie, because it's so simple and so stupid, yet so effective, is there's this part where he's like riding his, you know, motorbike around mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, I, or no, no, he, I think he's just he's sitting, running. He's, he's running. Yeah. And then, and it's like the end of like the dark night of the soul moment. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do next. He, felt like he was going to be this boxer and that thing, nothing's working out. And then some kid on a motor sports bike comes by and he sees him and Michael B. Jordan says, what's up? What's up? And the kid goes, you're what's up. And, and that's the whole scene. Yeah. And that's like what makes him think. I haven't seen it. I gotta see Dude, you it. gotta see it. It's so that's good. That's the turning point. That's like, okay, fuck it. it. Act three. Because it's like literally Michael B. Jordan, you know, in those four words, realizing that he means something to the kids in this neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's like so simple and just, and so formulaic, but just so perfect. And you're like, feel for, you know, that moment anyway. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty great. So. Yeah. You know, you know, Kramer, the, the DP I just worked with he and that was been on our podcast. He shot two and three. Oh, is that right? I didn't realize yeah. that. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. And you know, Michael B. Jordan directed the third one. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, he's going places. <laughs> he's doing okay. Yeah, he's no uh, smuggler and low. He's yeah. not. He's not a Matt. Maybe he's yeah. a Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Smuggler, what do you got, sir? I mean, I learned something last night that if you play tennis, you know, I told you I'm very big into tennis, and it's very cold in LA, which is unusual for us to play when I'm playing in the evenings. And if you apply a small amount of Vaseline to your nipples. <laughs> You will have no chafing. Uh-huh. I have heard. I, what is, I feel like there was like a sitcom or something. Maybe is it in an office episode where Michael's, like a Seinfeld Michael's nipples or, or were chafing? Not. I don't know. All I know is I was playing doubles and one of the guys had some Vaseline and I uh, took some and put it on my nipples and I was no, no longer had chafing on the nipples. You just felt so much better. That's so, a great endorsement. Yeah. So much better. Uh, I mean, listeners, uh, if so you much- know where what show this is from, uh, please email us or tweet at us. Can I ask, as a tennis player, how do you feel about uh, pickleball? I've played pickleball twice. I liked it. I thought it was super fun. I don't, I'm a tennis player though. So yeah. it's, it, it's more of a social for me. It's social. It's fun. But I, I, yeah, I prefer, I prefer tennis, but it was fun. Yeah. yeah. 
The, the sound, though. Do you like that sound? That wiffle ball? I don't know. That My dad was a tennis player, pickleball. and like now that he's older, he's gotten back into it thanks to pickleball in a way that like has been. I'm. It's, it's pretty awesome. But I know that they're like. Like, no, that's cool. they're converting all sorts of tennis courts all over the country, but especially in Los Angeles, it's like a phenomenon. So, like, I was wondering yeah. if tennis players have beef with pickleball players, or right. you know, it's like this. It's like this. I don't think so. We should get our dads snowboarder. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad is here also, and is a tennis player, and now is starting to play pickleball. Good so we'll have to yeah, yeah, There you go. Set our dads up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Kaplan, what you got, buddy? Yeah, I'm just gonna reendorse something. Uh, you know, sometimes you get this like amazing free tool and you use it for years and then all of a sudden the people that make it decide that they want to charge money for it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, that's it. I'm never using this tool again. Um, well, so for me, that happened with 4K video downloader. Which, <gasps> no, wait, I pay for 4K video downloader. Is it not? I, it's been free my whole ever since I endorsed it on this podcast like three years ago. I don't know. Uh what is it? It's if you want to rip a video from YouTube or Vimeo, you just paste the link in it and it's like here it is 1080p or 20 mm-hmm. the highest resolution. Mm-hmm. You can pull the audio. I mean it's right. so, I'm writing this yeah, down. so fast, yeah. so you know, the best version and I you know, I just did this pitch treatment video. I, I must have pulled like 80 different clips from YouTube. And you know, on treatments I pull a lot of stuff from YouTube also. Uh and even if it's just to pull an image. Like I, I used to screenshot, but now I just download it so i can go frame by frame um but uh (coughs) it just i tried to use it today and it's like hey you've reached your limit of downloads i was like what i didn't know that there was a limit i'm like how much is this gonna cost what's the monthly subscription and for 15 dollars they give you a lifetime Mm -hmm. lifetime membership so i was like you know what 15 dollars is pretty good that's like of all the dollars in 2020 dollars yeah yeah yeah, of all the software you've endorsed over the many years we've been doing this show, mm-hmm. easily the best. 4K video downloader. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I use it I use it every wow. week. Awesome. And I think we might have talked about Adobe Podcast, but uh, check it out. That's all I'll tell you. Google Adobe Podcast and try using it. And it is not for podcasting. It's for cleaning up audio files. And it is a miracle. Uh, anyway. Crazy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more about uh, what we're doing, if you want to email us questions that we're happy to pass on to Matt Smuckler about his movie, about commercial career, about uh, Vaseline, you can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can find us across all social media at justshootitpod. My, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Kaplan. And I'm at, uh, across all social media at Mr. Madden This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. And it's produced by Tyler Small. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.